Hello, and welcome to the Natural Evolution Podcast, produced by Rebel Health Tribe. I'm Michael, and I'll be your host. Together, we will be hearing inspiring stories of healing and transformation, learning from some of the brightest minds in the world of functional medicine and holistic wellness, and exploring the world's best health-related products, services, tools, and resources. We are live for another episode today of the podcast. I am joined by Dr. Micah Yu. Micah, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Michael. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, we've had a lot of people in our audience express over the years um, that they want to hear from people in your shoes, which uh, you are a board certified rheumatologist who's got a private practice in Newport Beach, California, but you see patients from all over the U.S., licensed in 16 states, which I just found out on the pre-taping here, mm -hmm. and seeing patients in every continent except Antarctica. And Dr. Yu combines integrative and functional medicine with rheumatology to help patients with autoimmune disease. And so what I meant is that by, by we've been waiting, you know, they, they voice that they want to hear from people in your shoes is that uh, you are a rheumatologist, a board certified rheumatologist, MD, trained convention, like conventional medicine, yes. who has found yourself over in the integrative functional side. And um, I always get really excited when I get introduced to or find somebody that, that is kind of bridging those gaps. And so um, I guess first, I'd love to just share with the audience a little bit about your own journey, your own story uh, from, you know, did you always have an inkling towards more natural or integrative or alternative types of things? Or was this discovered after medical school or how did it yeah. come about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, so growing up, my dad was a traditional family medicine MD and my uncle um, is an acupuncture pharmacist turned acupuncturist Chinese medicine. So growing up, I saw both fields. Um, so I had a respect for both fields. Um, and But I never knew about this field of integrated medicine until the end of medical school. I never didn't really know it existed. Um, so I, I mean, I went to school in Chicago, medical school, four years. Um, but it wasn't until I met some people on the interview trail when I was applying for residency that I found out that the field of integrated medicine even existed. Um, and I always want to learn about diet and nutrition. But, you know, in medical school, I didn't really learn much of it. And I didn't know where I could learn about it. And the nutrition that I got in medical school was very, very, um, very little. And I had my own um, disease journey as well. I was diagnosed with gout um, in high school from a very high protein diet. Um, woke up with excruciating pain um, in my senior year of high school. And then I was given medication. Um, I mean, it did help but my disease actually transformed over the years. In my early 20s, I started getting pain, not in just in one joint, but in multiple joints. Um, there was a point where I couldn't even go to school for two weeks um, during college because the pain was so severe, I had fevers. And then, yeah, it was controlled with medication over time uh, with a gout medication with like ibuprofen and stuff. But with the transformation of the disease, I couldn't really understand what was going on. It wasn't very consistent with gout. Even during medical school, I couldn't figure myself out. Um, and I went to different rheumatologists in the Chicago area and they couldn't understand my disease either. Um, I had joint pain that would randomly occur. I would. Isn't gout, have... isn't gout usually just in the feet? Gout can, I mean, 
typically it's it can be in the big toe. Yeah, like if you yeah if you look in the Wikipedia, that shows a rat. I think eating the big toe because it's very painful. That's where the classic spot is. It's called pedagra mm-hmm. in rheumatology, um, but it can attack any joint of the body. Um, I've seen it in the fingers and the elbows, um, and it can attack multiple joints too, which is uncommon. Um, but I, we see all the different stuff in rheumatology. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I had the classic symptom: big toe pain in the middle of the night. It feels like someone used a, a piece of wood and slammed against your toe. Red hot. So I had that. Um, but over the years. I started had getting pain in my jaw where I couldn't eat. It was stiff. It was hot. Um, I would wake up with stiffness in my fingers. Um, and like I said, um, the rheumatologist couldn't figure me out at elevated react, um, elevated inflammatory markers, but all my rheumatology antibodies were negative. So that was frustrating. Um, seeing a couple of rheumatologists that couldn't really diagnose me. So, I mean, the years went on. I kept getting pain. I was, my diet was very poor, still ate, you know, um, frozen food um, out of a box. It got takeout all the time, ate fast food. Um, it was a very stressful time. And in defense, medical school and, and that type of stuff is not exactly very forgiving when it comes to free time for cooking and shopping and making meals. And um, exactly. Neither, neither are the first few years of uh, out of medical school. I've heard some pretty wild stories about um, hours and schedules and days. How yeah, that looks, I mean, so. exactly. Medical school isn't very forgiving in time, uh, <laughs> having free time outside the books and studying. So, I mean, time went on in medical school, um, kept getting pain. And it wasn't until residency or actually um, got diagnosed finally with my second disease. Um, it was called spinal arthritis. Um, so if you know ankylosing spondylitis, I'm sure maybe you've talked about it on your show, but it's an inflammatory condition in rheumatology that affects mainly the lower back, but it affects many different joints as well as, and including the neck also. So I got diagnosed with a variation of it. My diagnosis is peripheral spondyloarthritis. So mainly, meaning I have inflammatory joint pain in my hands, my feet, my knees, but not my lower back. So I got like a variation of ankylosing spondylitis. So I got diagnosed there. Um, I got offered traditional medications, um, methotrexate, Plaquenil, um, but I refused it. <laughs> I was very stubborn. Um, I thought food, one day I could figure out the food part and maybe it could fix me, but I had no knowledge of that at the time. Of course, residency and medical school didn't teach me anything about anti-inflammatory diet. Uh, so, um, and I noticed that my pain would wax and wane. Um, so I would maybe flare once every month, once every couple months. And being a doctor, I said, I'm going to monitor myself with x-rays. And if I notice that I start getting holes in my bone or some changes in my, on the x-rays, then maybe that was a signal for me to start going on medications. Um, so yeah, I mean, during residency, I would still flare. I, w- I remember the worst time I was I was on my IC rotation for a month and I was limping for the first two weeks to work. I had to physically take two arms, I mean, two hands and lift my left leg up because my hip was not working. Um, I mean, there were, there's countless stories I can give you like that, um, but I didn't really take a day off. And luckily towards the end of my residency, um, I found a plant-based diet. And it actually helped me. My wife is a, is a doctor uh, who's in prior practice with me in uh, Newport Beach. And 
she discovered plant-based nutrition first because I went to Loma Linda University for residency. And if you know anything about Loma Linda University, it's in Southern California. It's a Seventh-day Adventist um, hospital system. And Seventh-day Adventists are vegetarians. Uh, but also the American College of Lifestyle Medicine uh, was sort of started here in Loma Linda. Um, it's a new, it's, it's not an official field yet, but it's a growing field in medicine. And um, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine does um, support a whole food plant-based diet. So I gave that a shot. And within three months of going a whole food plant-based diet, my, all my joint pains pretty much went away. And my C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory marker, went negative as well for the first time in like 10 years. Um, so that was very inspiring and surprising. So given the fact that I never want a meds and a diet helped me, that's what really got me into this whole integrative functional realm. Because I'm like, if that helped me and all I taught, all I've been taught is medications, what else am I not learning about or knowing about that is out there that, you know, my mentors and my teachers and my attendings aren't teaching me. Um, yeah, I know all about drugs, but there's so many other things that can potentially help patients that if I'm missing that part of my practice, I'm really limiting the options for my patients. And that's what I do in my practice. I give my patients options. I still use medications because there's a role for it. Um, but there should be options available for patients that don't want to go on medications. Um, so I started my rheumatology fellowship, um, giving nutritional advice and reading the studies. Um, so that's how my journey into the integrative functional realm started. So now I'm in the... Andrew Weil Integrated Medicine Fellowship at University of Arizona, and I'm taking functional medicine courses as well, combining all the fields, um, so working a lot. So that's where I am now on this podcast. That's, that's great. And it, I mean, it sucks you had to go through that to kind of find your way to what you're doing. But I mean, it's a, the first, this is the second season of the podcast. We're kind of doing education. The first season we did uh, just people's healing journeys and stories, basically. And a lot of practitioners from the functional medicine world, whether they be MDs or naturopaths or other practitioners and um, they all had their own version of that. And that's kind of what led them to do what they're doing now. Um, because it's like, if I learn all this to help myself, like, well, what am I going to do with all this knowledge? I'm not just going to sit on it. And especially when your career already was in the helping people that have autoimmune conditions and other chronic diseases. Um, and it's, it's, you know, sometimes we get the little nudges that we need to move in the directions we need to to go and i'm familiar with that that center in arizona at andrew weil has been someone i've read his stuff for i don't know as long as i've been interested in these things and i know several friends of mine have been through the training there i think a couple of them actually teach um deanna minnick might teach there and nisha winters maybe i'm not sure but i mm -hmm. i think i have a couple of friends who either teach there or have been through the trainings there and speak pretty highly of it. Uh, Nisha works with cancer. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting track you're on and I'm excited to see, you know, how much further it goes. And I'm sure having the seed planted a little bit, you think you said your uncle was Chinese medicine mm -hmm. uh, and acupuncture. Uh, that's kind of was my seed planted to even, uh, I have a master's degree in exercise physiology, which is definitely very different than an MD, but it's, it's on the conventional side. Like what I was taught in the master's program was very 
conventional, even when it came to things around diet or anything else, it was like, don't eat any fat and don't do this. And don't, uh, it was kind of like an older paradigm of diet and nutrition. But um, what opened my eyes was I had to write a report on some alternative healing modality is what they called it. And I chose Chinese medicine. I didn't realize it's like the most complex in-depth thing literally ever. So I was like, sure, yeah. I'll write a five, five page paper on this or seven page paper, no problem. I went to the library, got a few books uh, and they were all about this big. And I'm like, what would I just do? How do I summarize something that's 1,700 pages? But uh, I got really fascinated with it and I got interested. And then I saw a doctor in Chicago, actually, who's an MD and a, tradition, a doctorate of traditional Chinese medicine. And she, after talking to me for 90 minutes, told me things about myself and like how things in my life connect with like anger and liver issues and this and that, that it like exploded my mind. So then I, I just like ran with that. And that's kind of how I ended up here. So Chinese medicine was, um, it's fascinating stuff. So you, um, you got better, you decided to study these things. And now you're, you're incorporating, you know, more integrative approach into your, and I like the way you say it, you like to give your patients options, where it's not just here, this is what's wrong with you. Here's this, this is the drug that matches this disease. And, um, it could be, here's the pharmaceutical options, here's the medications, here's also the research when it comes to diet and lifestyle. And um, you mentioned diet and we've had, I've, I've had some people that, you know, we've had on and that I know, and I, I used to do coaching and I worked with a couple of doctors and did like health coaching for them to help their patients implement um, practices. And I, and I saw some people do really well, uh, almost immediately on plant-based diets. I've seen people do really well on a more like autoimmune anti-inflammatory diet that does involve animal foods. A hundred percent of the time I've seen people do really well when they remove the processed foods and the yeah. fried foods and the fast foods and that kind of thing in the sugary drinks. But, um, what have you seen? Uh, how long ago was this? You, you look pretty young. So how long ago was that flip for you? And how long have you been in practice using a more integrative approach first? Yeah. So I, um, this, it's been, I started the plant-based diet in May of 2018. Um, oh, okay. So going on four years. Yeah, because I, that's when I finished residency and I went to fellowship for rheumatology, which is two years. So I graduated from rheumatology fellowship mm -hmm. summer of 2020. Um, so, okay. um, so it's been two years. Yeah. It's two years for... in prior practice oh, going on two years. Yeah. yeah. We officially opened our doors November of 2020. There are multiple paths towards, you know, dietary anti-inflammatory effects. Um, what have you seen in the last couple of years working with people with this type of approach? When you, when you do these options, do, do a lot of, are a lot of patients interested in, um, dietary and lifestyle things or do more of them opt for the medication or what are you seeing? Yeah. So I get a mix of patients. Um, some patients like they come to me, they don't care about diet. They just want the med and they just want to get mm -hmm. off their life. Um, but, um, but some people, they, I mean, they find me on social media and stuff and they do know I work with that field. So, um, they're coming to me for more, um, integrative approaches. They're okay with, so, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of patients. There's your patients who don't care about anything else. They just want the meds and you have the patients on the other side. They don't want to take any meds and they want to do everything alternative to help with them. Um, so I'm more in the middle, like I can do both things, but, 
um, being a specialist, I've seen patients um, be very sick from disease in the hospital and even die from them. So I know when is the, the serious um, complications from the disease is happening. So for some of my patients, you know, I don't mess around. I put them on these medications right away. Um, and then I implement the dietary part, the um, integrative part to kind of work backwards. Some patients, yeah. they're more mild. So I like damage time. control, like putting out the fire exactly. right before trying to do anything exactly. else. Exactly. And then there's patients who I will work with them to try to get them better um, without medications. Um, so throughout the years, I mean, I, I've seen patients who, you know, I've tried some supplemented stuff and they were able to prevent medications, diet, supplements. Um, so I've seen that. I've, I've seen recently, I saw a patient with um, oral lichen planus, um, which is like a, it's like a plaque in the mouth. Um, it's not really a rheumatology field, um, but sometimes it does come, the patient just end up coming to me because they saw that I do this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I put them on like, she, I recommend like a more plant based diet, but she didn't go plant-based. She still had some like animal products in her diet, um, but she caught a lot of the sugars in her diet. That was the main thing, a processed sugars and the fake sugars. Um, and within like a week, she got better. Um, and uh, yeah. or else if, if people she... realize like the, when, when people are really new to this stuff, like our audience is, that's no shock to a lot of the people listening to this. But if you pull like 10 random people off the street and and question them on their nutrition knowledge and experience. I think people are stunned when they first, I know I was, when I first started learning like what's actually in the food and how much sugar I actually was consuming. I love those, those pictures people make when they put the actual sugar that's in a thing like next to it and they'll show it to you. And it's, it's like, like a this cup much. of it. Yeah, it's like this much. And because we need that visual, like with sodas and with like breakfast cereals and you know, like a lot of these foods that are really, really common, people don't realize that you see a donut, a breakfast of like a, a donut and a bowl of, you know, sugar cereal with milk and uh, orange juice. And how much sugar is in that breakfast is like, would you eat seven giant spoons of sugar in the morning? No, everyone would see that and be like, that's not good to do. Yet they don't realize that's what they're consuming. So I bet that was a wake-up call for her. And it's not tough to keep people on board when they see something like that happen. Yeah, probably. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's then somebody got for me, Doc. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, luckily, like, that, that's the best when you just implement dietary therapy and then yeah. they get better if they don't have to do anything else. Um, I've had patients who um, I was able to prevent going on medications, um, patients with some joint pain, rheumatoid arthritis, implemented a certain diet, um, and they got better or add some extra supplements onto the regimen. Mm -hmm. um, but I've had patients, you know, who actually have tried a lot of different diets and oh, their disease is just progressing um, yeah. aggressively. And I just have to put on medications, biologics right away. I mean, there's, um, and then try to work backwards from there. Yeah. Um, when you see in your x-rays and your patients with something called erosions, which are holes on the sides of the bone array, that's very severe yeah. already. Um, and one or thing like that the, the damage to the joints and the swelling oh, yeah. and all those kinds oh, yeah. of things. Oh, yeah, there's visible, visible the deformities yeah. of the yeah. hands. Yeah, we were starting to get concerned with my wife with that because hers was going on long enough that, you know, we were starting to get concerned. And I admittedly, when I first got into functional medicine, talking about all this stuff and, and working with clients and working with functional doctors and all that, I was pretty anti-medication. I was pretty arrogant. I thought like, oh, lifestyle and dietary things can flip anything. And anybody who takes any drugs is it's a failure. Like it's a, 
it's the lazy way out or like they didn't try everything or whatever. And that was until my wife developed really aggressive autoimmune conditions. And the only thing that got her out of pain was steroids. Mm -hmm. And um, I witnessed that firsthand and that changed my mind about some of the medications. And it's like, use what you need to use to get things under control enough because she couldn't function like i don't even want to think about how bad it would have gone she was paralyzed like she couldn't move any of the joints in her body she was nine out of ten pain full body you don't realize how many joints you have in your body until they all hurt yeah like joints in the chest and joints in the like up here like all this is joints technically and um yeah and so seeing her in such excruciating pain and we threw everything at it i have every connection known to man in the functional medicine world we had access to every type of therapy every modality every supplement everything diet was perfect all that stuff and nothing touched it Mm -hmm. and um getting it under control with the medication now we can manage it we're managing it with very very minimal intervention like that but Man, if anybody out there has that hardline stance, I would encourage you to consider um, another train of thought. So yeah. it sounds like you kind of help people understand where they are on that spectrum too. Because I mean, if a disease is early in the stages, the, the symptoms are pretty mild to moderate and they haven't tried any dietary stuff, any natural stuff. Sure, that's a great candidate for somebody to give that a whirl. But if they're in like a hell of a lot of trouble, and it's advanced and it's severe and it's aggressively worsening that's not the time to right right yeah exactly um yeah um let's take for example rheumatoid arthritis people think of only joint pain when it comes to rheumatoid Mm. arthritis but people don't know that it can affect the eye it can give you autoimmune attack of the eye called uveitis scleritis um it can affect it can give you uh, contribute heart disease if it's uncontrolled um it can give you lung issues i've seen patients who come to the icu um when i was when i was in my training um who presented with um being on a ventilator and the only thing that came positive was rheumatoid arthritis antibodies and so the rheumatoid arthritis affected only the lungs without any joint damage, um, surprisingly. Oh yeah, so you get those presentations. Um, it can affect the brain, the skin. Um, so, and I've seen patients who, um, who didn't go on treatments, who are, are non-compliant, who ended up having so much deformities um, and so many organs involved that they end up dying from rheumatoid arthritis. And you don't see much of that these days because we have so many great medications in rheumatology. So back in the day, in the 80s, the 70s, um, we, we didn't have many options back then. We had gold as treatment and maybe some methotrexate, some steroids. That was pretty much it. And then, so you see patients come in wheelchairs and canes. Um, but these days, patients are walking in um, through the door because we have so many great biologics now. Um, but of course, the drawback of medications are the potential side effects, right? That's why if we can avoid it and do well, of course, that's the best yeah. thing, but that's not an option for everybody. And like you said, um, you, you thought initially that medications were evil and that, um, like natural is the best initially. I thought the same way too. Um, I thought very similarly, I thought I got better on a whole food plant-based diet. That is a solution for everybody. If they, everyone went that on that diet, that everybody will be fixed, but a little, I mean, throughout time, I learned that that's not true. That's not the only diet yeah. out there that helps you. A lot that's, more factors too. A lot of other factors. That's one of the diets that can help that's um it's a great yeah. diet but there's a lot of other great diets as well um and that medications um sometimes need to be used and even though you go on a 
a, the best diet for that particular person. There's other interventions that still may need to be used to help that person. And um, that was um, this part of my medical training. You know, I saw things left and right. I tried different things on different people. I noticed that, you know what, that diet didn't help on that person. So I came to realize that, you know, whole food plant-based diet, it's a great diet, but it's not the solution for every single person out there. I'd like to briefly interrupt this conversation to let everyone know that we've got a free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit. It's available for you right now over at www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations if you'd like a little help organizing and implementing all your learning from this podcast. A gift from our team over at Rebel Health Tribe, producers of this show. And now back to your episode. What other factors have you seen firsthand really play a role in either the development of autoimmune disease or the progression of it or the other way in getting things more under control outside of diet? Right. So um, we can talk about um, trauma and stress. Uh, that's one of them you probably have talked about on this podcast. But um, there are studies now that are coming out that um, adverse childhood events like abuse, um, divorce in the parents at a young age um, does lead to a higher risk of autoimmune disease later on in adulthood. We have many studies in that. Um, recently, um, uh, so yeah, I was going to talk about environment, but we'll talk about la that later on. Uh, let's stick to the stress part. So in my patients, um, stress, I've noticed after a divorce or um, a loss of a loved one, patients do flare as well. Um, so the gut brain immune connection is very strong. Um, so it does affect the gut microbiome, the stress levels and the gut microbiome is connected to the immune system and autoimmune disease. Um, so stress can be managed, um, not through medicine. So you not see a direct correlation though, between, uh, stressful events in the person's life and then flare ups of their autoimmune conditions. Yes, definitely. So when patients have a great diet, that's anti-inflammatory, uh, but the stress is out of control it will counteract all the benefits mm. of um, the anti-inflammatory diet. So patient, it will like, it will outwin it. So I tell my patient, you have to work on your mental health. That is key. That's as, that's as important as diet alone. Um, so the vagus nerve, I don't know if you've talked about this on your podcast, but the vagus nerve is very important um, to help control inflammation. So there are lots of studies coming out now with the vagus nerve, um, one of the most important nerves, um, that affects the immune system. So when it's stimulated, it can increase heart rate variability and that in turn can decrease inflammation. And there are things you could do to help yourself like meditation, um, singing, humming, there's, there's all these studies out there. Um, but another thing is there come out with devices out now that can help stimulate the vagus nerve. They used to do it. They used to implant things in the neck. They still do that for like um, seizures or for um, depression, anxiety, but there are studies coming out now for like lupus, rheumatoid arthritis and autoimmune diseases. And I think there's devices now that you just clip onto the ear um, or there's apps now that can help you stimulate the vagus nerve. Yeah, I've seen the external ones. I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody who, I usually just find the person who knows the most about the thing instead of me having to learn all about the thing. And then I talk to them. I haven't found those people about those external vagus nerve simulators yet, but somebody in the marketing world knows that I'm interested in them because I see the ads for them on the Instagram. Oh, so, they're hearing you. <laughs> I'll have to come find out. They're stalking my conversations, but uh, 
you mentioned heart rate variability and um, HeartMath uh, is an organization and that, that does a lot of research on that. And they have uh, devices that are pretty awesome. And I've interviewed uh, their head of research, uh, Roland McCready, a couple of times. And they have some mind-blowing stuff over there that they talk about regarding wow. heart rate variability and inflammation and disease states. And it's not uh, theoretical anymore. It's it's like one of the more direct all-cause mortality and all-cause disease markers that you can measure is, is heart rate variability. So I get excited when I hear I hear that come into a conversation. So um, I'll have to check those out. That's a nudge to check out those, those vagus nerve, uh, yeah. stimulators. Yeah. I think my wife recently just uh, came onto those devices. So my wife is a family <laughs> medicine doctor also in practice with me. She uh, focuses on psychiatry. Um, and then she went to an integrative mental health conference and there were a couple of devices that she came upon. So I'm going to start implementing I that. I with practice. her too. Yeah. I'm taking a note of that. Uh, I founded another platform other than this one that's focused entirely on that side of things. And we're looking for doctors who can speak to this type of conversation, but more related to mental health and emotional health. So perfect. Um, I will make a note to reach back out and uh, maybe have a chat with your wife as well. I'm very cool. So yeah. You mentioned stress, uh, trauma, um, vagus nerve. You, you started teetering on environmental stuff. Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of environmental stuff have you seen the most or most noticeable? Or what do you think is the biggest uh, impact there? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are studies on, I mean, uh, with rheumatology, I mean, there's like case reports, but um, in the integrative world, we know that it does exist and it does affect the body in various ways. So um, heavy metals is one of them. Um, heavy metals can be one of the root causes of autoimmune disease, uh, heavy metals toxicity in particular. Um, when it comes to other environmental toxins, um, like BPA, we know that we know that these things are endocrine disruptors, uh, PFAS, um, organophosphates, glyphosate. Um, these are just examples of different environmental toxins that can affect the immune system. Uh, we know that it can affect the endocrine system, but there are studies coming out now that it can potentially affect the immune system. Um, and smoking, like there's a recent, uh, in rheumatology, we know that smoking has a big, um, it's a big risk factor for rheumatoid arthritis because the smoking can help generate anti-CCP antibodies through the lung um, and through the oral microbiome. We know that already. And CCP for CCP. those out there. Uh, CCP antibodies is also known as citrulline antibodies. It's one of the biomarkers we use in rheumatology to see whether a patient has rheumatoid arthritis. Um, it's very specific for it. Uh, we we knew previously that the previous smokers or active smokers have a big risk, um, but we a recent study came out in one of the rheumatology journals saying that second hand secondhand smoking also plays a role as well, and secondhand smoking not only um, when patients are children, but also secondhand smoking when patients are fetuses are still not born yet. Um, so with a mother is smoking or exposed to secondhand smoking, it'll affect the fetus. And then when they grow up, they have a, um, a bigger risk of having rheumatoid arthritis. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's, that was that's wild. I'm, uh, I've seen some studies too recently suggesting in utero links to like, uh, high amounts of stress in utero and high uh, like 
mother trauma or birth trauma or any of those things, they're starting to notice like lifelong dysregulation of the nervous system, which uh, controls the immune system to some extent. And so it's, I think it's going to be a really interesting 10 to 20 years uh, coming up in regards to like looking at how far back do some of these um, insults to the system that lead to higher prevalence of different diseases, how far back does it go? It's not just if like you smoked in high school, it's, you know, it did something traumatic happen to your mother when you were two months in utero, you know, like, and um, there's also people learning about what to do about it. Yeah. Because uh, the people hear that and they're like, oh my God, are we all doomed? Is there nothing we can do? Like if that happened to me. And so in my other area of passion and study and work on the other side of things, I I know a lot of people who are doing work with individuals to help, you know, regulate nervous system work and do like trauma work and things like that. Yeah. So that's a whole nother conversation, but you're not doomed. But that's yeah, wild. you're not doomed. The secondhand oh. smoke. The mother's exposure to secondhand smoke increases rheumatoid arthritis chances for the child. Yeah. Um, and oh, active um, smokers too, um, active mother smokers. And we not only have, do we have to look at the mother, but previous generations too. Um, I think, um, I mean, there was, I remember there's a rat study out there where um, these rats, um, they did like a, uh, diet study on them. The rats that um, didn't eat much fiber had uh, over time um, lost their gut microbial diversity. So um, over like nine generations. So we do have to look at the grandmas and gener many generations ago because that those epigenetics do like affect the genes and eventually gets passed down to us. So um, there's so many, there's so much um, things that can affect the autoimmune disease we have today or whatever chronic disease we're dealing with. Um, it's, it's so complicated, this space, and there's so much research to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Rheumatology. Um, I honestly didn't know much about autoimmune disease until my wife got sick. And then I dove into it. Like I made it my entire focus. I remember her first flare i was staying up like all night reading every single thing i could find on what we thought was rheumatoid arthritis and then that got really scary reading that because i started reading about all the different body systems it can affect and some of the biologics that are used for that have some pretty nasty side effects or can and mm -hmm. if i read like it can cause this it's like immediately if my wife takes this pill that's going to happen to her yeah uh you know where the brain goes so i was like terrified in a fit and just reading everything i could read and that was four years ago and many many interviews with people later and three flares later and several doctors we've worked with later and lots of books later um i now probably understand about two percent of it <laughs> so and, it, and it's and it's I don't think it's possible to understand 100%, like to be able to look at a person and say, here's exactly what's causing your autoimmune disease. Here's exactly how to fix your autoimmune disease. Like, I, I don't think that, that we're quite there yet because the, the complexities of even learning about the immune system on a, on a pretty basic level compared to like what knowledge exists is confusing. Yeah. And um, I have a, a friend who's a microbiologist who's pretty fascinated with immunology and like he, he 
I don't remember the language he used, but that the, the complexities are infinite and our understanding of it is infantile. Like it's, mm -hmm. we're just starting to understand how it all works and moves. And uh, he was actually thinking, encouraged that like everything with COVID and how much money and time and effort and energy and research and all that has been poured into that and the effects of like long COVID and how they relate to, not relate to, but seem similar to autoimmune conditions and diseases is actually going to be like a blessing when it comes to pushing some of that understanding um, forward because way more money and time and energy and effort got dumped into it way faster than was happening. I don't yeah. know. Do you see long COVID patients? Do they come yeah. to you? We do see long haul COVID in our clinic. Um, and long haul COVID is, I think eventually it's going to be we can term it like some autumn disease um, because the symptoms are just, <laughs> they're, they're so wild, some of those symptoms. And they're, some of them are very similar to rheumatology diseases. So it's like brain fog, um, shortness of breath, um, joint pain, chronic fatigue. Um, these are some of these symptoms <laughs> in long haul. There's like no traditional medications that really help really well. You have to, I think an integrative approach uh, with some, maybe some traditional medications with supplements are one of the best approaches to long haul. So yeah, we do see long haul in our clinic. I, I have some friend, uh, I have a good friend who's a doc, she's a doctor of physical therapy and she works with women with pelvic pain and endometriosis and uh, a couple other generally female conditions. And she's a long hauler and she's been sick for like 16 months and she's going to the clinic at Yale. She's seeing all these specialists. She's trying all these different things. And she's gotten to the point where she can like walk a mile now, Wow! but she was fit before and, and all this. And yeah, she's tried a million. She's documenting it all publicly. She's posting everything on Facebook. She's sharing everything. She's learning wow. that she's going through all of her stuff. Um, her name's Jessica Drummond. And, um, we have a podcast episode with her. Anybody listening, you want to check that out? We talked about it a little bit, but it's, yeah, it's super complex. And I think it will be classified as under rheumatology and autoimmune before yeah. uh, too long because they're seeing autoimmune symptoms without being able to find what antibodies are causing what and whatever. But I think that we continue staring at it hard enough like we are, we're going to figure some things out yeah. so you're seeing long haulers you're seeing traditional rheumatoid uh, or rheumatology patients yeah. and then some now unrelated people are just finding you because you listed integrated medicine functional medicine and i am guessing that will grow because the more study and the more work you do you know and uh, people are going to be attracted to that and you're going to start getting more patients coming in that are like, Hey, I don't have that, but I have this. What do you think about this? And, right. um, is that something you're, you're interested in? Like you want to kind of open the doors to everyone and, and branch out from rheumatology? I am. Um, so I, I recently attended an integrative dermatology conference. I'm about to listen to my uh, wife's integrative mental health conference. So I'm really branching out. Um, cause it really integrated medicine, just dealing with rheumatology, you're missing a lot of different symptoms that patients are coming in and sometimes they don't have any other avenues, any options. So I'm really trying to branch out and figure out what else to do with, because mental health is connected to the immune system. Um, but if you're a traditional rheumatologist, you just leave that to a psychiatrist or psychologist. Um, so if, if I'm able to sometimes attack the mental health, I'm able to help the rheumatology disease at the same time. Um, and patients with, um, 
rheumatology diseases like psoriatic arthritis, they present with psoriasis as well. So sometimes they want an integrated approach to the psoriasis. Um, so I'm really, once you get into this field, it, you can't help but um, learn other fields of like this other systems, um, like functional medicine. When I take those courses, like it's, it's all encompassing, like environmental toxins, it just doesn't affect them. It like it affects the endocrine system, the brain. Um, so environmental toxins is a huge topic that's still being explored. Um, all these, all these topics in integrative and functional medicine, we're just at the beginning of research. Um, and unlike allopathic medicine, there's no, there's no one protocol out there. It's like everyone sort of has a different protocol. So um, that's the frustrating part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Both for the doctors and the patients, because the patients want to go to a doctor and they want the doctor to say, oh, you have this, do this, this will work. And the doctors want to be able to do that. Like that's that'd be great. That'd be awesome. You find if you figure that out, man, you're gonna do just fine. But uh, that's unfortunately just not how the complex, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic, physical body that this is works. Like there's yeah. all of those things coming in. But it's really cool to hear your excitement with it. And um, you've opened Pandora's box now, so you can't close it. Because you're gonna hear the next conference, and then somebody's gonna talk about this thing, and you're gonna go to the next conference, and they're gonna I know talk about that's that. What's like, we had a, the fact that your your wife does funk, uh, like integrative approach to psychiatry. I interviewed um, it was for one of our master classes, autoimmune master class, a functional psychiatrist who talked about how how prevalent it is that mental health diagnoses like bipolar and depression and anxiety and all these things. So many people in the mental health field know nothing of integrative medicine or functional medicine or anything else. And they're just getting diagnosed flat out with these mental health conditions and they never check anything related to that. And what the prevalence is that autoimmune brain and nervous system related autoimmune conditions present with depression with bipolar with anxiety with these things yeah. and you the psych meds aren't going to help that very much and if you're if it's not even a psychiatrist if it's psychologist or a therapist you can't out therapy uh you know autoimmune neurodegenerative disease like and that there needs to be crosstalk here and that people with these mental health presentations they need to get tested for certain types of physical diseases because if that goes undiagnosed and untreated and undealt with and they don't address it at all what is the mental health yeah. professional working with like it's and exactly. the other way around so it's um what i'm trying to do personally is just kind of get both sides of those things and mush them together and be like everybody here needs to talk to everybody yeah so, so exactly um, i think you hit it you hit it right on the spot like the mental health diseases um they sometimes they have um, another root cause, which is maybe the autoimmune disease, but the autoimmune disease has another root cause, which is like maybe the toxins yeah. die or something else. And if you fix that, maybe you can fix all of them at the same time um, over time. Yeah. So um, like with, yeah, with psychiatrists, people to know that, like to see that, like these people need to be trained in this. Like it's right. Know, and, uh, and, a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist can only suggest to them what they know. 
And just like you didn't learn about nutrition and functional medicine or integrated medicine in medical school, psychologists and psychiatrists are not really learning about autoimmune diseases in their trainings or about environmental toxicity. So it's, I'm glad to hear there's lots of conferences. I'm glad to hear people like you are going to them. And uh, it's a lifelong work. It's (laughs) lifelong. (laughs) Yeah, you're young. You got plenty of time. So by the time you're 50, you'll have it all figured out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a definitely a complicated journey. Um, and just going back to those uh, psychiatry meds, like um, yeah, like these these meds can help with the mental health, but then they come with their own side effects too: tingling, numbness, brain fog, feeling like a zombie sometimes when you're on them. Um, and those side effects sometimes you tack on other meds just to take on those um side effects. So it's it's so important um to be educated in this integrative world because this these integrative supplements or therapies, they can potentially, you know, help the patient avoid these medications um, and maybe just limit it to one or two. Thanks. And, and I love that you give those options. And, and I feel like this conversation kind of helped, uh, helps people that might find themselves in that boat with an autoimmune disease kind of feel better about being able to make a decision around like how severe is this disease how progressive is it how dangerous is it like i never understood how fast some autoimmune diseases can go from zero to really severe and really dangerous really fast like Mm -hmm. for my wife's first flight it took about three weeks from when she first had pain to where I was carrying her crying and screaming into the emergency room at three in the morning because she couldn't move and we were confused we had no idea what was going on like that happened in three weeks wow and for those three weeks we're like try this supplement take this supplement do this thing try this eat this don't don't eat that do this and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse until she couldn't literally couldn't move and that only took three weeks so you don't want that nobody wants that like i promise if you're listening out there you don't want that so taking appropriate action uh, whether it be medications or whatever, is not a failure. It's a stopgap for the time being to help you get things under control. So I, I love your perspective on that. Uh, if people want to find out um, how to work with you, what states you can work with people in, and uh, how to how to connect with you, uh, where do they go? We'll have links down below in the show notes, but if people are only listening and they're not looking right now, uh, where should people go and what should they do when they get there? Right. So um, thank you for asking that. Uh, so you, I'm on Instagram, YouTube, um, Facebook, TikTok. So my handle is my. You make TikTok videos? I do. I, I am that's impressive. not as active, uh, but I am my autoimmune MD. Uh, that's M-Y autoimmune MD. And my personal website is my autoimmune MD.com. And my clinic website is drlifestyle.org. That's drlifestyle.org. And if you want to know which states I can see patients in, it's on that website under the FAQ section. Um, and then I can see patients all over the world giving second opinions. I just can't prescribe in other countries. Um, okay. So yeah, we'll have so- all the links. That's an that's a, a array of social media. Good on you, man. That's, I know the work that it goes into to to do that but it helps you reach a ton of people that aren't going to find you otherwise so and uh tiktok is like killing it with good content i i i i'm too i feel like i'm too old but i can do it but uh there's i i have people who have learned 
I, I get sent TikTok videos all the time. People are like, dude, check out this, this person on TikTok or this person on TikTok, whether it be medical stuff or nutrition stuff or health stuff, or even like the mental health stuff or spiritual things or the emotional things. Like there's people killing it on TikTok with really good content. And um, it's not just a cheesy dance uh, platform. I promise if you're uh, <laughs> out there and you're grumbling and, and, and groaning when you're hearing me talk about a new social media, but uh, I've heard it's really beautiful how they let you customize your feed and that like, it really is the stuff you want to see and only the stuff you want to see, which yeah. I think Facebook could learn from. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for, for coming on and sharing your story and having a chat about, a whole bunch of different things. I'd love to talk again and um, maybe deep dive into a couple of things that we we touched on. But I appreciate the time. I appreciate the work you're doing. And uh, go check out his his social medias, everyone. Thank you, Michael, for having me. It's an honor. And that wraps up another episode of the Natural Evolution Podcast. Thanks for listening, and please check out the links in the show notes below to learn more about our guest and grab your free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit, which will help you implement what you're learning here and make powerful shifts in your health and your life right away. Just go to www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations, and you can be started in only a few minutes. If you enjoy the show, please drop a rating, review, or subscribe to stay in the loop with future releases.